This is the final episode of our podcast, Putting Ourselves in the Picture, as part of an AHRC UKRI Equality, Diversity and Inclusion Fellowship with Fast Forward Women in Photography. I'm Anna Fox, a photographer and professor of photography at University for the Creative Arts in Farnham, and I created Fast Forward with Karen Knorr in 2014 to promote and engage with women in photography across the globe. And I'm Maria Kapaeva, who is also an artist and a photography tutor, and I have been working with Anna on Fast Forward since 2014. And in this final episode, we will be joining our partners from the Putting Ourselves in the Picture workshops at Autograph in London, who were working with a group of refugee and migrant women called Rainbow Sisters. My name is Bindi Vora. I am an artist, curator and lecturer. I work at Autograph as a curatorial project manager and have been facilitating uh, one half of the education leaders for our Putting Ourselves in the Picture project. What was the process that you went through and Autograph went through to decide what you were going to do for this project? So it's a really interesting brief that we kind of got from you guys in terms of what we wanted to do with the project. And we've run similar projects for other groups before. So the first thing we did was draw on the expertise of our colleagues that work in education and much more closely with these groups on a regular basis. So we were pooling all of those resources and knowledge that we kind of gained from projects with different groups and constituencies of people and thinking about how we could apply some of those, I guess, learnings into this project. And I guess what made it really different was the fact that a lot of the groups we've worked with before may have had some proficiency in photography or arts of some kind, whereas this group was completely new. And I think that was the the biggest challenge and, and probably the most interesting part of the process. How do you teach the most basic skills in visual storytelling and literacy to a group of people that have never maybe had the opportunity to express themselves through these tools. And, you know, Ada, for example, is our artist uh, mentor that we brought in because she has so much of this experience of working with very vulnerable groups. So also we had another organisation involved with you and Autograph team, Women for Refugee Women, and that brought another layer of influence, maybe complexity. And you worked with a group that they brought with them called Rainbow Sisters. How was that experience working with them? Sam, who was our kind of main point of contact at the Women for Refugee Women charity, was actually quite amazing because I think the missing link for us would have been that we didn't have that established connection with the group the Rainbow Sisters prior to this project beginning and I think building up that trust would have been a much slower process in that kind of 16-week period I think we would have spent a lot of time trying to get to know them who they were a lot more without Sam being there to help us facilitate some of those dialogues and help encourage and build that trust with the women that we were working with And the Rainbow Sisters are such a special group. You know, the core group of eight women were phenomenal. I mean, the fact that they were willing and able to share what their journey has been like through the refugee asylum process coming to the UK and the experiences that they had had at home was really, you know, very humbling in many ways. 
And it taught us a lot about how we have to be mindful of these challenges that they face on a daily basis. And, you know, this project for them was much more of having an outlet to express some of the feelings that they may have been carrying, but also recognizing that our role is just to facilitate that dialogue as opposed to, you know, a traditional education model where it's like, you know, I am the teacher, you are the student, you're going to learn X, Y, Z. It was a lot more dialogue, conversational based. And I think that's what played to the strengths of Ada being an artist, myself being an artist. I think that dialogue was really, really helpful and, and quite powerful in that moment so that they knew that they could draw on us for our expertise in, in terms of skills and things like that. But we were just there to help them in that process. We weren't there to be an instructional or a directional individuals. And I think Sam and the work that they've been doing with Sam has been really phenomenal. And they all are part of a group where they have a dialogue that's continuing, you know, in terms of outside of the project. And I think that really helps. And going back to something you said earlier in our conversation about uh, these are women coming to a photography project with no knowledge of photography or and no photography skills. I think that they were provided with cameras by Women for Refugee Women. So there's a whole new piece of equipment. They weren't just working on their phones, for example. How did you and Ada at Autograph deal with this? So it was really interesting. So Ada was kind of key in that moment because she'd worked with some groups who may not be as proficient with using a professional camera as they might be with, a, you know, with using their phones. And so for our group, the biggest challenge was the fact that we were dealing with lockdown and COVID, which meant that we ran half our sessions on Zoom. So you can imagine, you know, a group session with 10 women all, you know, looking at their cameras, thinking, what is this thing? And us trying to teach them using PowerPoint and zoom to figure out you know it's that button you know the the dial on the top turn that turn that and it's like yeah it's not working and it's like no no it will work try again but you have you know everyone trying to actively participate that was you know it was challenging but it was a really interesting process and we broke it down into steps in order to make it a lot more manageable because we realized you can't say what aperture priority is to people that have no idea what aperture priority is And so really bringing it down into understanding what that function does, what you would achieve with that, and then giving them, you know, a task at the end of each session to say, now you go and try this. If you have any questions, come back to us in the WhatsApp group or save them for the next session and we can pick up on it then and do some recapping. It was quite phenomenal how much they really, you know, felt encouraged to use their camera and use these new skills with their friends and family that they were visiting the way you devised what you were doing with the autograph groups, Rainbow Sisters, was quite different, in fact, to the other groups. What you and Ada have selected with the group and with Sam at Women for Refugee Women are the collective projects that they did through the workshops. So we've got a whole series of collages and montages, quite eccentric, some of them quite political and occasionally funny. And then we have a series of silhouette images and the Polaroids and also a series of portraits and the collective poem. I forgot that. A wonderful collective poem. So not only did you work on photography, but also there was writing expertise. Can you tell us a little bit about the processes, maybe one or two of the processes that they learned? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, with the way that we devised the schedule in the end. So the first few sessions were very much around 
practical things around how to use your DSLR, going through what a portrait photograph could be, what a landscape photograph could be, what a still life photograph could be. And that was the the beginning bits to kind of help those that may have wanted to use a camera in order to express themselves, how they could do that. But throughout the process, what we were really keen to do was also introduce other medias and mediums into that process in order to facilitate sometimes a slightly different dialogue for those that might be, say, struggling with articulating what they wanted to express through their camera, but might find a different way of expressing themselves, say, through collage or through writing. What we did was we brought in an arts therapist, so Bobby Lloyd, who's an educator, it has worked with her before, and, and Bobby has experience of working in Folkestone at the uh, Napier Barracks with other groups of uh, refugee communities and people that are in that process of seeking asylum. And Bobby's role in that session that we had with her was really important because, you know, we recognize that throughout the process, when you're beginning to articulate anything, sometimes that can be quite a triggering process. So having someone to talk them through if they're feeling like they're being triggered through what they're saying or what's being said or what they're doing, how can they, you know, support themselves in that? Where do they say, no, that's enough now, I need to stop? Where do they say, actually, I can push this a bit more? But just being able to recognise that, because it was quite important as we began to ask them what it was that they might want to begin exploring. The women were really open. They wanted to talk about their identity, their culture, their sexuality, And really, those can be quite triggering things because of their past experiences. So having someone who can give them the tools and the skills to think about when they might need to stop or take a break was really important. And so as we then went through, what we were keen to do was break down what this idea, you know, when they say the words identity, what does that actually mean? What, in effect, you've all decided through the project is that, in a way, the documentary storytelling it doesn't work, in a sense, safely to tell the stories that the women were wanting to tell. But the staged image is where you all were collaborating and there was a lot more control in the construction of things, was the way you all found together to deal with these ideas and stories. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that really is through the expertise and the work Ada's done you know, over many years with similar groups that I think helped to really break down some of those you know, challenging feelings or words that were coming up and be able to simplify that in a way that they could then manage and portray that in an image. My name is Ida Silvestri. I'm an artist educator based in Kent and I work between London and Kent. My work explores issues of race, ethnicity, migration, displacement and health. It helps to raise voiceless voices and highlight marginalised communities. Ada is a fantastic artist and was one of the workshop leaders working with Autograph and Women for Refugee Women and the participants from Rainbow Sisters. Welcome, Ada. Thank you. We were very excited when we knew you were going to take part in this project. I mean, particularly your work is extraordinary and often controversial. How important was it for you to work on this project with the participants from Rainbow Sisters? My ongoing interest in working with uh, migrant community, I engage with migrant community on a weekly basis, I do volunteering, and uh, it's just like a, a lot of people in my community that I'm, I have access to have some sort of journey. They have those stories to tell, and in order, I think, to facilitate those stories, I need to be with them. 
in a very close contact. And when this opportunity arrived, I think I, I jumped on it because first of all, I work mainly with men, few women. So being a woman and advocating for women voices, that was quite important for me as a migrant. And was it your first time you were working with Autograph on that kind of educational projects? Now I've done many, many projects with Autograph, with migrant communities. So we just finished Sense of Belonging with Autograph and Hackney Council and Mouth That Row. Uh, migrant groups from different backgrounds coming together and talking about the sense of belonging in Hackney and the surrounding. My main work is educating and mentoring migrant communities, actually. This is, apart from my personal projects, this is what I do. And what was your experience of working on the Putting Ourselves in the Picture project with this particular group of women from Women for Refugee Women? Very empowered, inspired, a very humbling I would say, experience. I think there's something about maybe women coming together. We go deeper in the sense that we really go deep and when we share and there's a lot of communality within the stories that women were talking and picking up the communality and highlighting the points and coming to conclusion that even though they come from different countries, they all have similar issues and acknowledging that and creating a safe space for them to be able to trust you, to share and it was very humbling to see an idea turn into an image, a word turn into an image. And the way they questioned as well, how can, can I put a word into an image? I'm like, let's practice it, let's do this, and let's do this something, a quick Polaroid and say, write a word, and then let's try to interpret that word into an image. So as literal as that, we had to do certain activities in order to, to get to the point where they were able to express those words into images. What do you like kind of as a mentor and workshop leader with them? How you can reflect on your own experiences? What you, did you learn new for yourself uh, while you were doing this project? I think if I would do it again, I would focus initially getting to know the group much longer and having initial contact directly because of the COVID, we were not able to. The Zoom creates another barrier. So being in a space together and sharing stories and learning from each other. I think the connections that we had together were quite important and the trust, building the trust. Lots of the um, mini projects that you worked on with the group involved portraiture. And in fact, you mentioned the Polaroids, which were very, very interesting. I wonder if you can tell us a bit more about how that project was structured, the Polaroid one. So it started off, one of the questions one of the women had we're talking about my experiences and I, I'm able to talk about them, but how can I translate those, uh, those conversations, uh, a word into an image? So we initially wanted to explore, I was, I am, and I, I will be. So we wanted somehow in the story to be able to have a narrative that had a past, present and future. And I thought, okay, let's explore I was. Think about your childhood. Give me a word that I highlight something in your childhood. One of them said, I was shy. And I said, okay, can you go and find props and create something that resembles a shyness with an image? So they'll go and get a little scarf and they will put themselves into this uh, tiny person kind of persona and it will take a picture and it will write at the back shy. And then the present will be problematic or 
I am difficult. Okay, how do you become difficult in an image? So trying to translate literally the word into images. Oh, that was an amazing, successful kind of a way of translating words into images again and then giving them the future aspirations. What can they imagine themselves be doing in future? Giving them that imagination and tangible in a sense some of them because they're working towards the university degrees so some are tangible some are not but so imagining those scenarios that what could they be and write down the word and then try to replicate that into image that was a really fun activity that we did as part of the uh, workshop series you did a collaborative writing workshop with an author and i wonder if you can tell us a bit more about that yeah josie carter is a friend of mine and I thought she would be a perfect candidate for the Rainbow Sisters. Josie's approach was beautiful in the sense that she just came in and asked people to throw some words together. And she told us that I was, that I am, and that I will be. So everybody kind of threw words together and we created the poems. So it was a beautiful collaborative poem in the sense that it shows different means that people can tell their stories. I think they had a very valuable experience in that sense. We've got the image and we've got the text. How can you manipulate the text into working uh, with the image and then vice versa? So they could see that. It was an amazing addition. There was another project in the workshops that you undertook, and I think it was the first project where you used a method of working that you're familiar with. I think the Silhouette Project, something that you'd done before. Can you just tell us why that was important, that it was the first piece of work that you're involved in? And these silhouettes are obviously made from photographs, but they don't look like photographs. And I think that was quite important as part of it. So uh, that project, Corona Quilt Silhouettes, was uh, an outcome of collaboration with Art Refuge. During the pandemic, Art Refuge wanted to engage uh, the community and ask people to send uh, daily rituals. I was approached to see if I could respond towards this slightly differently. And I wanted to engage people in a slightly deeper level and see how they felt during the pandemic and what were the challenges. The only way that I could do it was by Zoom or WhatsApp. So I wanted to make it as accessible as possible. So I've asked people to send me either a word, a sentence, or a poem. And then either they could send me an image, a side profile image, or I could take an image from the other side by WhatsApp. I thought that would be a beautiful introductory kind of activity that I could do with the Rainbow Sister because everybody was in a pandemic, a lockdown, they were all feeling helpless and lonely. There were a lot of issues arising. So how can we output it creatively? And there's a quilt pattern called Corona. So that was the initial idea that Art Refuge had. So there's a lot of connections within that. I wanted to do something quick that they, we could do to just inspire them what we could achieve together. Like he said, they were not identifiable with something good in that sense as well, because it took a while for us to sign the consent form. And I'm glad we did that. They wouldn't have trusted us otherwise. They got to know us and they know what we were trying to do. And the consent form came later on. Obviously, consent was an essential part of this project. And it's a very difficult thing to negotiate, actually, because of people's sensitivity. And when to introduce the idea that people would have to sign consent forms was a really big thing for all of us, I think. 
I'm so glad we waited. It wasn't the agenda all the time. They knew about it. They had to do it. But I'm glad we waited until we met face to face and then introduced it and were able to explain where the points were. I just want to thank you so much, Ada, for being with us and sharing your experience. It was very vital and fantastic. I'd like to welcome Sam Hudson from Women for Refugee Women. I was so excited when we knew that you were going to be able to take part with a group of women uh, who are connected to your organisation. Can you tell us how you felt about joining the project? Thanks so much, Anna. So we were really excited to be involved as well. Um, Women for Refugee Women is a small charity that supports and empowers refugee and asylum-seeking women. So women who have come to the UK to seek safety from persecution so that they can tell their own stories and challenge the injustices that they face. We have been involved in a few photography projects before because we feel that it's really important that the women in our network have the power to be in charge of how they portray their own lives. So we really wanted to jump at the opportunity to be involved and to enable the women in our network to have the opportunity to learn from such experienced women in the photography world. And there were some incredible difficulties for everyone involved, but I think particularly your end with the COVID situation, because in London it was much more difficult than in other places. How did you manage through all those issues? So COVID did present some huge challenges, particularly for the refugee and asylum-seeking women that we support. Many of them became extremely isolated and didn't have access to the technology that so many of us were using to stay connected. So for the first part of the pandemic, we focused a lot on digital inclusion and enabling women to join Zoom sessions by providing them with equipment and training so that they knew how to use it. With this particular group, so it was our Rainbow Sisters group for lesbian, bisexual and trans women, they had been meeting up weekly throughout the pandemic on Zoom. So they knew each other. They were kind of building good, strong friendships and supporting one another. But I think this project really deepened those relationships and furthered their empowerment because we were able to start meeting up in person. And gradually, as things opened up, we tried to find ways to safely accommodate that and enable women to get to know each other a lot better and come together for the first time in it was over a year so I think this journey through sharing stories through photography coming together in person really furthered the relationships in the group and helped women to begin to emerge from the pandemic and rebuild their lives. Can you talk more about kind of collaborative work between two organizations. We put you together to work with another incredible organization, Autograph. How it was for you, this experience as an organization, and what sort of uh, learning lessons was for you, or maybe even advices for other organizations could be through this experience? We were absolutely delighted to work with Autograph and to be partnered with them on this project for a number of reasons. Firstly, they're 
building is just around the corner from us near Old Street. So it's a great relationship to have and it helps women to feel part of the local community to be involved in this institution that is just around the corner from where we normally meet. Autograph also has quite an incredible history of celebrating black and LGBT artists. And I think that meant a lot to the women in the group, particularly the facilitators were sharing images from artists that they've worked with before. And that was extremely inspiring. In terms of the actual sessions, we all learned a lot together about how to facilitate sessions for women who have perhaps limited English language skills or who are struggling with so many different aspects of the asylum process, which is really, really hostile and isolating and means that women are facing a huge amount of challenges each day when they turn up to the sessions. So we were kind of very accommodating and enabling and also aware that the situations of the women changed across the project. So some of them had very exciting opportunities come up, like getting university places or finally being granted their refugee status after many, many years and then moving into employment. So there was a lot of kind of adapting and making sure that women could be involved despite the other things that were going on in their lives. There were some really diverse workshops that were run um, in the autograph group. In fact, all the different groups were very, very different, which makes the material much more interesting than I ever expected, to be honest. Their final work was each person did three images, three very different kinds of portraits expressing themselves in a very inventive and highly original way, combined with these poems, two of which were collaborative. I mean, that must have come at the end, I think, of, of the project. Is that right? Combining all the different interests that they developed through the workshops. Yeah, it did. The women in our group always had an interest in portraiture. So right from the very first session, when we started talking about what they wanted to get out of the project, this was quite common amongst the group that they really wanted to be in the pictures themselves. But obviously, over the course of the project, we had a lot of conversations about safety and representation and how they wanted to be portrayed so I think that's where a lot of the creativity really comes through women thinking about whether they want to obscure their identity in a creative way they really thought through very carefully how you can use photography to tell a story in a way that feels safe when there are still threats and dangers to your life we're very aware that the internet means these images could be seen by anyone and because the women in our group feel like if they did ever have to go back to their home countries or many of them also feel unsafe in their communities here it's very important that they had control of how they appear in the images. I wanted to ask you about, in a way, like sort of a conclusions and results of uh, this project. One of those is that participants benefit more if the projects will be longer 
in the longer term because it takes a lot of time for people who never used photography as a visual language. It takes for them to start to learn how to use the cameras from very basics up to kind of understanding how actually photography works as a medium to tell their stories. What else kind of for you you think would be more beneficial for this kind of a project to make it more efficient for such participants as uh, was in your group? I think our group had a slight advantage in that the women already knew each other and were used to meeting. So they really supported one another through the process. But as you say, none of them had ever used a professional camera before. And the first sessions were over Zoom because of the pandemic. So it was quite difficult for them to learn, you know, what buttons to press, <laughs> how to use this completely new machine. So I think the time, particularly at the start of the project, was so important. We needed to start really slowly and build up. And then kind of as the project progressed and we were able to meet in person, the pace of everything really picked up and suddenly there was just so much creativity being generated at such a speed and it was all quite amazing and I think that slow build-up was really important. One thing actually that I was asked is about the legacy for the project and it's something I always worry about with projects like this when you you know step in for six months or whatever it is and work with a group of people and train them to work with photography what happens when it's over so I think for our group what makes it slightly different is that they have the bigger rainbow sisters community and women for refugee women there for them in terms of that aspect of legacy what we've also encouraged the women to do is to come along for all of our shows you know as they're opening at autograph so that they feel like it's still a space that they're welcome into and we're also you know this is a question that's come up for us internally as well as to How can we support all these groups that we're working with? And after that period of time, you know, what happens to them? How do we make sure they feel like they can still come into our spaces and don't feel intimidated? And, you know, we've been really thinking about that a lot because a lot of Autograph's work has been very community focused and orientated to support marginalized groups of people who may not feel welcome in many other spaces, but we want our space to still be their space. For all your experience of working on this project, putting ourselves in the picture, what kind of maybe like advices or suggestions you can tell people who might listen and would like to be involved in similar projects and help the people who have less visibility than others? Anything you you think to share? So I would advise for organizations to be in touch with groups like Rainbow Sisters or uh, any other groups before we put in funding applications. This is something that I aim to amplify and see what are the needs, what are the gaps? Are we training future women photographers? What are we trying to do? And see how they feel about it before we even put the funding application. Because once we put the funding application, we've got these parameters, we've got bar- we create a lot of barriers where there's not much flexibility and it's difficult to navigate 
for the facilitator and for the uh, people that are providing funding because you've got some the structures that we need to follow in order to adhere to the funding providers so i think to do the research, go into the community, into the groups that you're working with, do extensive research first and see what are the gaps, what's needed. Let the communities tell us how we can approach and how can we facilitate what they need. So coming from the below instead of coming from the above, I don't know, this is the way I see it. And then we can write a very structured funding application, but considering all the points uh, from our research. You know, that's a really interesting point because you do, in fact, need funding to do the research uh, in the first place. I totally agree. It's about looking for um, research funding that's not connected to outputs, actually. I think it's also one of those projects where everyone is keen to replicate it again, you know, if we can, you know, resources permitting, because we saw how beneficial it was to the group that we were working with. And I think also there's ways in which for us, we can improve that process a little bit more as well. I think because of COVID, we faced bigger challenges. And because of the way that we were working, it meant that a lot of sessions had to be online and there wasn't any way around it. But hopefully, you know, moving forward, if we were to do this again, then it might be that we can kind of make it a little bit more succinct, a little bit shorter and really think about, again, that legacy and what happens. I know that you gave them cameras to do this work. And I'm just wondering, do you think any of them will continue to make work? Because we've seen some really great photography come out of this project. I know that they're going to continue to make work. Two of the women have expressed an interest in pursuing photography much further. And then also we've seen women at different events. Um, we co-organised a refugee welcome protests outside parliament and all of the women in this group brought their cameras and were taking photographs at the protest and completely independently using photography to capture that moment so I am absolutely convinced that they will keep going. Wow that's fantastic it's fantastic to hear that. Brilliant. Maybe it's a good moment actually to say our listeners that most of the materials which were produced during these workshops uh, by participants will be in the one publication, in the one book, which we are working now, and it will be published by um, Trolley Books. And we're working with an incredible graphic designer, Sarah Boris, who is putting it all together, all these works. So make sure you get a copy of that when it will be out. And I think actually this is also our final podcast from this series. We hope with Anna to continue um, our podcast in the future. Let's see. It was really a great journey um, to have interviews with everyone, conversations with different people. Um, so thank you, everyone. Yeah, I echo that. Thank you, everyone. It's been really fascinating. We definitely want to make more podcasts, for sure. It was really interesting doing this. And first of all, we have to raise more funds. So we're working on a series of new grant applications in which we really plan to take forward our experiences of this project and build future educational projects for women in photography. As well, we're developing our manifesto, creating positive actions for increased involvement for women in photography. I'm sure we're going to have plenty more projects which include podcasting in the future. 
We'd like to thank everyone who spoke to us for this podcast series. We really appreciate your contributions. Our partner organisations, Impressions Gallery, National Galleries of Scotland, Autograph, Women for Refugee Women and Work Show Grow. And of course our funders, the Arts and Humanities Research Council, part of UKRI, University for the Creative Arts and MPB Cameras. Putting Ourselves in the Picture is part of an Arts and Humanities Research Council UK Research Initiative Equality, Diversity and Inclusion Fellowship awarded to me at Fast Forward Women in Photography. This podcast was produced by Anna Fox and Maria Capaiva with audio production by Lucia Scatzocchio from Social Broadcasts.